0: child of poverty so hey y'all it's your girl joy has questions again another week Another amazing episode that I have in store for you all I have um, one of my former coworkers as well as his bomb ass son Gene Vernardo, as well as Morgan coming on momentarily But I am going to start off as you know with you better know I was inspired to do this you better know Simply because Gold Coast Orthodontics is blowing my phone up And I cannot just keep running from adulthood anymore Because I definitely told them I was going to pay for these braces And needing a bag to fix my teeth is no fucking joke out here. Like, your girl is literally about to be on her Oliver Twist. Please, sir, I want some more because these boys are expensive. So it made me want to do research just in terms of like, who are some iconic African-American pioneers in the field of dentistry? And lo and behold, I found a woman by the name of Ida Gray. She later became known as Ida Gray Nelson. She was born March 4th, 1867. She was the first African-American woman to become a dentist in the U.S. of Africa. Mind you, she started off as an orphan And then when she was working for the offices of Jonathan Taft Now, just a little side note Jonathan Taft is one of the founders of the American Dental Association, the ADA I could not figure out if he was related to William Taft Who was the 27th president of the United States of America Also, random fact, William Taft is the only president to work at the highest level for two branches of government. He was a former Chief Justice for the United States in the Supreme Court. And then he also was the 27th president. He's the only president to have that honor. And to be quite honest, I would have to do even more research to figure out how he was able to jump branches like that. Because typically you are Chief Justice. That's the whole point of why you want to be a Supreme Court justice, because you get that position until you die. Um, But needless to say, I couldn't figure out if Jonathan Taft was related to William Taft. But the point is, she was orphaned after her mother died um, as a teenager. Her father was a white man who never claimed her. I'm not going to assume that there was sexual assault uh, involved in her conception, but there wasn't really much to share in terms of how she started off. So she was born in Clarksville, Tennessee, um, and basically she went to go live with her Aunt Caroline Gray in Cincinnati. Now, she worked at a very early age, taking in sewing, and then she graduated from Gaines High School in 1887. So also, this is a young woman who's living during the time of Reconstruction. If I'm checking correctly, being born in 1867, slavery is just ending on oh, some roll of thunder, hear my cry type shit. In terms of her schooling, that's when she started working for the offices of Jonathan Tav. Now, this was a man also who was an early advocate of women being trained as dentists. He had been the dean of the Ohio College of Dentistry. And then he also was recruited by the University of Michigan to help with their first dental school. So that's how he became one of the founders of the ADA. She worked with him for approximately three years, and then she learned enough just from being under his wing, his tutelage, to pass the interest exams for the University of Michigan School of Dentistry. And when she graduated in June of 1890, she became the first African-American woman dentist in the U.S., She was widely publicized and celebrated for her efforts, and she opened up an office in Cincinnati. Now, like, come on, not only being the first African-American dentist, but then also having the opportunity to have her own practice. Um, She serviced both white and black customers and was cited as a role model for other women. Now, she relocated her practice in 1895, and then just like she had done in Cincinnati, she service both black and white clientele and she had a reputation for gentleness and for sincerity in terms of really caring about her clients or I should say her patients. So also in regards to being a part of the dentist movement she was involved in several clubs. She was the vice president of the Professional Women's Club of Chicago. She was the VP of the Eight Regiment uh, Ladies Auxiliary and she was a member of the Phyllis Wheatley Club a group organized to maintain the only black women's center or rather shelter in Chicago. She died on May 3rd, 1953 in Chicago. And as a testament to her legacy, as well as to celebrate all of her efforts and things that she gave to the medical field, she has a diversity award that was established by the School of Dentistry at the University of Michigan. Um, she definitely is a woman who... Against all odds, like there's no, like being an orphan, not really knowing where your place is in this world, being also able to find an ally to actually really help her, not take advantage of her, and to have her own practice, that type of entrepreneurial spirit, as well as truly caring about your fellow man and wanting to help ease their pain. Let's be honest, no one wants to go. I am never thrilled to have my gum swollen, but I'm happy I'm preventing gingivitis, so... I just would like to give a shout out to good mama Ida Gray for all that she has given us. Um, I know she is in heaven, perched, looking regal in all her Victorian glory, and I'm here for it. So now let's get started with Joy Has Questions. Okay, everybody, so It's Your Girl Joy Has Questions coming to you once again with another amazing episode. I am so excited because I have one of my fave people, um, former co-worker from uh, a long time ago in terms of the advertising world. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm like... We survived, we climbed that mountain, and woo, child the ghetto. So we are over and done with that. But um, I used to always go to him for encouragement whenever I was just like, today is the day I'm standing on the desk and cursing everybody out. And him and his team would give me those good chili cashews or pistachios. I would just, like, raid their drawers. And then also it would just help me, like, get focused because he'd be like, no. You are going to calm down. So I have my fave Gene Bernardo here with his son, Morgan, who is, you all are just killing the game, I feel, in terms of like black boy joy, creative joy, um, having your own voice within the Chicago creative community. So I am honored to have you all here. Hey, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah.
0: They said it oh, I'm so excited. Like, we look so, like, alike, the genetics. No, okay. <laughs> that's
2: what happens. Exactly. Um,
0: so I'm just going to jump right into it. And I don't know if, like, the cosmos aligned. It was like, yes, we're going to give you all the toxic masculinity topics this week because you have two black men um, who can at least shed some light on it. Um, how familiar are you all with, like, the whole Cardi B offset saga? That's just been... <laughs>
1: Um, I think we're marginally, like I know that Cardi Congratulations.
2: B... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> interesting. it's, it's interesting
1: because, uh, I'm too old to be knowing about this stuff, but I know about, you know, Cardi B, uh, was married to Offset and then I don't know how long they were married. They we, just had a baby. It was, mm-hmm. it was like five weeks or It was some time. It was, was it some time?
3: And like, there's like a little like discrepancy cause like they're, they proposed later than like. They, like, publicly proposed later than, After like, they, they actually were proposed. Like, it was something. So, like, we don't know. The record isn't clear. Okay.
0: It's been playing out like in Atlanta telenovela. Like, mm-hmm. it's just been, like, mm-hmm. what's happening this week? Mm-hmm. Um. But, yeah, so there has been multiple reports of infidelity. I'm not even going to get into, like, who the... Potential jump off side chicks. It doesn't even matter. Infidelity is infidelity. And so Cardi B announced that she was like, I'm going to divorce him. She's been remixing song lyrics at concerts, saying, like, mm. we're going to get a divorce. Like, oh, she has been very wow. vocal about no longer wanting this relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So over the weekend, she was the first female headliner for the Rolling Loud Festival. I don't know if that is an Atlanta based festival where it takes place, but. She's on stage doing yeah. her thing, mm-hmm. and her soon-to-be ex-husband stops Ooh. in the middle of her performance, walks out on stage with a cake and a mic, saying, please take me back.
3: Oh, wow. That's not your place. That's not the time. He
0: also... <laughs> now, this is... Congratulations. It's you right. Played <laughs> you played yourself. Now, also, on top of this, this is... Outside of the fact that he has been on Instagram, the people have been clowning him. He's been on social media um, after she announced that she wanted to divorce him. He was like, you know, I miss Cardi, you know, adding her. Mm-hmm. Then there was one report of him, te- or you know, basically telling everyone, "Fuck y'all, I miss Cardi B." Oh, as I saw, if,
1: I saw, it was a tweet, right? It right. A, tweet. Yeah, I saw that yeah. because
0: we all know we're responsible yeah, right. for him cheating. We
1: right. should all know
0: that, right? He has that is our fault, and that
3: he misses Cardi B.
0: Right, because <laughs> right. When we we need to apply the pressure for her to go back to this situation.
3: We need to fix her problems.
0: Do you look at this as oh? Because I've seen so many like black, white women people period that have been like, "Girl, take him back," and then it's other people that are just like this scream, raising my hand, mm-hmm. that is like, "This is scream," or "This screams toxic masculinity." Mm-hmm. This screams complete utter selfishness based on your feelings mm. not actually you know really getting to the depth or the root of what you caused or the hurt that you instilled mm-hmm. i just want to know like what's your take on that from both your perspectives
2: dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs> um so i think that uh if, just stepping back i think that relationships in general are difficult right and so i think that part of the problem with relationships, we can just take us a couple steps back. Part of the problem, I think with relationships nowadays, or, you know, the way young people look at them is they kind of look at them in terms of, you know, this short term kind of thing, like, Oh, he's fine. She's fine. You know, I want to have sex or whatever. And, um, beyond that, there is no real thought. Right. And so, one of the things that kind of struck me was when I was looking, I was watching, I don't know how I saw it, but Cardi B just kind of said, like, I guess we fell out of love. And I thought that that was interesting because love is not something that you necessarily jump into and jump out of or fall into or fall out of, in my opinion. I think that because people kind of have this infatuation
2: mm-hmm. way
1: of looking at love, like, oh, he's sexy or whatever. popping, Yeah. Lip pop. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, something like that. Instead of, to me, love takes effort and love takes work and love takes sacrifice.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And um, my son and I were talking about this and he was like, what do I know about love? <laughs> He's like, I'm a teenager. I'm a kid. I don't know about love. No, no, no. <laughs> or it's
0: like, um, look, I'm just trying to make sure that my locks are properly moisturized in <laughs> my GPA. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, struggle. laughs> Oh, it's
3: already a struggle.
2: Yeah.
1: And so I think that um, because we don't have this longer term vision of what that means, you know, that means effort, that means sacrifice, and also it's something that's between two people. So I think that's why it's like difficult for me to comment on their relationship, and I don't, because that's one, and two, this whole thing, I think where they're going wrong is Public. They're playing it out in public. Mm-hmm. And that's not where relationships play out, right? That's not where the work takes place. That's not where the sacrifice takes place. It takes place between, you know, you and that other person. Um, and so that's why I um, I kind of question the move in terms of like, you know, going out on stage with a cake. Like, is he doing that for her
0: for all I know, yeah. a gun could have been it? under that cake. Right. Like, what we it? all saw when Tina was trying to go out on stage uh, and Ike popped up in the dressing room. I am not going to be sitting there oohing and aahing to some random ex right. just and, showing up on me.
1: And the thing is, is like, it's not about, I think for, I think that that kind of overture was more of a play acting. It's like, mm-hmm. a, you know, yeah. it wasn't authentic. If he was going to do something authentic and he really wanted to have her back it would be a conversation between the two of them it would not be on stage in front of thousands of people a
0: bunch of high and drove people
2: screaming do it
1: right exactly because like you said to your point what that seemed like was manipulation Mm -hmm. right trying to manipulate her into making a decision or you know whether it's out on twitter or whatever i think that that's counterproductive you know um
0: you actually, just to even highlight the, a point that you brought up, and no, I am not trying to compare this situation to Beyoncé and Jay-Z. But one thing that I love when, even when I think about how their whole infidelity, you know, the, the separate albums and everything played out, when did he actually cheat on her?
1: I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Exactly, because even in his lyrics, he might make a statement of like he how he had to get his best friend to like watch blue while they like worked their you know personal issues out, or when he was explaining like, if me and my wife aren't good, no, I'm not showing up to your wedding like right. that might give you a little bit maybe of a time frame or it could have been something that reoccurred in terms of emotional strain, and maybe she didn't forgive him whatever, but you don't actually know when they were having issues in their relationship. Now, if the most photographed couple, or one of the most recognizable couples on this planet can still maintain that level of privacy and, you know, separation between their public personas and their actual real life, it's not a matter of it can't be accomplished. It's a matter of what I feel people put too much stock in, public opinion, and not actually doing the work for their actual relationship. I think that was just something, you know, that you even highlighted.
1: A yeah. Bit. I mean, I think that even, you know, <clears throat> that's what relationships are. It's, between, you know, no matter how people perceive it, it is a relationship and an understanding between those two people. And I think that, you know, my, my wife and I were talking about it uh, along with Morgan this morning. And uh, what she brought up with was the fact that that idea of sacrifice, like love requires sacrifice. Um, it requires that and sacrifice not meaning you're going to like gut yourself or anything but it requires (laughs) a giving of yourself Mm -hmm. putting somebody else forward like no matter what form that takes whether it's in a relationship with another person or a child like we were talking about you know morgan um and my daughter um when you have a lot of sacrifice yeah well you put them Mm -hmm. and their needs and their desires you put them first not out of like uh you know I'm doing this because you want to be a martyr or anything, but because <laughs> you value them that much, they mean that much to you. Right. Right. And so their well-being means that much to you that, all right, I'm going to take the hit on this because their happiness is more is, than one. is, is, is worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that Jay-Z even talks about is like, if, if, if Beyonce is happy, I'm going to be happy. Right. And everybody knows my son knows like, if my wife is happy, yeah, the house is happy. Say
0: it with me, people: <laughs> Happy wife, happy life. It's there true. is I a mean, level of truth. To
1: that. there's some truth to that. But then also, like, she does things that, like, you know, she sacrifices as well. Mm-hmm. You know, to make sure that I'm happy as well. You know, right. and and you have to have both. It can't be one is sacrificing for the other because that's not sustainable, right? You know, if if one end is doing all the sacrificing and loving and the other end is just taking
0: it's gonna be a problem
1: too it's gonna be a problem
0: Morgan how did you (laughs) feel about it because I feel like you were just like look I just really want the music and I don't (laughs) care about these shenanigans like what were your thoughts on it
3: uh I mean I've been like it's not like my head's been like under the like wool (laughs) but I mean like it's definitely not been in my eye like I saw like I saw Cardi's thing on like Instagram I was like oh cool and I sort of kept on swiping
2: (laughs) because like, Cause like you know hear. it's
3: like they're like it's like it's like i mean it sort of goes to like it's their business but also it's like if they're trying to make it my business like i don't i don't care it's like i'm chilling
0: so do you think in terms of like take a step back then yeah. because i've also re- you know noticed with um uh, i feel like almost more than before or maybe even i think about my generation like the mumbler the soundcloud rappers like now their girls have just as an equal, if not higher, you know, popularity or following. And I see a lot of my cousins, everyone is like, oh, what's Ari doing? What's she, Herbo doing? What's Jada doing with little Baby? What's, you know, all these, you know, younger couples. Do you actually look at, at them in a sense of like, oh, I want a chick like that or I want a situation like that? Like, what's, or is it just like a continuous scroll of, Look at these Negroes I can't
3: I mean just like I feel like my priorities Are very like It's like on a different list Like you know Like I'm trying to Like right now I'm sick Like I'm trying to not be sick It's like I feel like I keep on saying this All the time in the house But I feel like I'm like I'm getting old Like I'm just like My back hurts (laughs) Like I don't get enough hours. It's just like my main priorities. is This just ain't like, even
0: top twenty for things. That yeah, you care it's about. like I like that's I have I have like
3: college apps. I have finals soon. It's just sort of like I could like you know I could like really like make it a part of my life, but like it would take a lot of effort, and I'm like
1: tired. <laughs> you Don't have the energy I, for this, it. Yeah. This,
3: hold up.
0: This is a young man. that's, like all my life I had to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing it this I'm weekend. i just, slavery, slavery, okay? slavery. It's been a while. And let me, let me just also say, shout out to you just getting it through in terms of these college apps too, because that still was one of the most traumatic pieces of my life. Like I had to simultaneously still study for all my, not normal classes, all the AP classes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, yeah, like an idiot. Let me take this junior and senior year. Like, yes. Yeah, that's what he's doing. The Continuous headache that it, would, that it came with, because it was like, oh, you're writing from dawn until dusk like mm-hmm. you, because if you're either not doing it for that ap class you're now doing it for future yeah. classes that are going to keep you up all night but um i like that personally your stance on it um just because yeah i really i look at things like i said from the perspective of what does this how does this connect the dots with like how we treat each other now mm-hmm. you are an anomaly because that's not, no, it's true. It's not. If I was to call any of my little cousins right now, I'd be like, yo, what's going on with, um, any of these kids. They'd be like, Mm. girl, let me tell you. So this happened. And on this day she had on this jacket, but you see how he had on this (laughs) in the highlight. Mm. And I'm just like, what the hell are y'all talking about? And they will literally piece entire stories together because they're, they're so ingrained in a stranger or a celebrity's world. Mm. Um, but that was just, you know, something that when I looked at the situation with, with Cardi being offset, I'm just like, just either go back to love and hip-hop or leave me alone. Like, just, mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, now, moving, though, into still dealing with toxic mascul- er, masculinity or, yeah. at this point, toxic femininity. That, yeah. Is that a thing? I think I'm going to coin that. That needs to be a okay. thing. Because okay. there's a bunch of toxic black women out here, All too. All right, we'll take that. Um. Nicholas Menagerie, a.k.a. Nicki Minaj, a.k.a. Nikolai the Great. Um, She is in a new relationship that is completely... Who cares? I'm just going to call him uh, Alf. So she's Mm. in a relationship with Alf, and this is a man that has been in jail for manslaughter. Now, Mm. I am all about second, third, and fourth chances, so the fact that he was able to rehabilitate himself from that situation or time in his life and become a very well-respected music executive, go for what you know, sis. Like, slow hand clap. Uh, um, What is troubling, though, is that he is also associated with a rape case Mm -hmm. in which um, more things are being revealed that it was a kidnapping aspect of this case, uh, holding people by gunpoint, Mm -hmm. um... At first, it was a situation of no one can really quite get the ages together. If he was 15 or the young lady was 16, there are other reports that he was 20 and the young lady at the time was 16. Um, And people basically have been calling Nicki Minaj to task about how this is not an isolated incident of her being around people who have had not only just... Criminal pastor issues, I should say, but specifically those of a sexual assault or child molestation assault uh, nature. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. just running through the rolodex really quickly, she has paid funds for her brother's um, sexual molestation case. She did a song with uh, Lisa nine, Frank's Alkstein. son Takashi Six Nine, A.K.A. Um, the Coloring Book. Yeah. Um, and now this situation. Mm-hmm. So when called to task on it, and specifically the Daily Mail called her to task, they were like, why do you continue to support rapists? Like, or, you know, sexual predators. Her uh, anger was mm-hmm. taken out in the sense of like, oh, I'm suing y'all. That's defamation of character. And I'm just like... Oh. "That, mm-hmm. But it's truth, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean... have you all can you all like listen to music like that or like what what is the line for taking a person's individual you know story versus like what the media is saying um because i know plenty of people like i'm never gonna stop watching the cosby show mm-hmm. but then simultaneously i there's just something in me i cannot listen to our kelly song Yeah, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they're the both sexual
0: predators but yeah. what's that line because i will. I, I will openly admit my hypocrisy. If yes. that's yes. if I'm not listening to the step in the name of love and I shouldn't give a single gas or s- liquid fuck about the Cosby's on the stairwell right. wishing grandpa yeah. happy birthday.
3: Right. I mean, I guess I've like I I've been thinking about that a lot. And with the Cosby's, I feel like the reason like I'm still like with the Cosby's is that the Cosby show was way more than just Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot more people, a lot more hours, a lot more effort than just Bill Cosby. It's like, the whole show is a summata- like, summation of so many people, like, the actors, the crew, the people who, like, work to make that show that show. Ooh. It kind of sucks that Bill Cosby, like, made himself, like, the main figurehead and so much is tied with him. But, like, I feel like that show it's is... a
2: different world, yeah.
3: Yeah, I feel like that show is, like, still... It's still its own entity devoid of him. I feel like it sort of feels like I like Bill Cosby, terrible person. I'm not about to buy any Kool-Aid, like any like no even, more like, pudding pops like Eddie, like Eddie, any, like anything he tries to sell. I'm not buying into, but like still like the Cosby show is like a lot more people, but still at the same time is like,
0: well, what about Nicki Minaj, though, in her situation? Because it seems like. You know she's very defensive, or making it trying to seem like you know it's it's society or people who don't even know the full story. But it's this man. I mean, even with Takashi, he played like he's on probation
2: mm-hmm.
0: after pleading guilty or no contest, which still is a light guilty to me. So
1: I think there may be a difference between um, the two of them in that um, what Nicki Minaj. Does and her influence on popular culture um, is limited, right? Um, and what she does um, with her personal life, and I, I think that possibly she may have some issues that are bringing this about. Like I don't know what her past was and what happened when she was growing up. She or, did
0: say she grew up in an abusive home,
1: so that may be a result. That may be how and why this is playing out the way it is, and. I think that those things, um, the way that they manifest, are limited to her and her sphere, right? I think the reason that you may be conflicted and I myself am conflicted about Cosby is because that show was such a phenomenon and had such an impact on society and culture. And to Morgan's point, it went beyond just Cosby, right? Right. It reframed how people saw black people. It reframed how we saw black fathers. It reframed what black people could achieve. It inspired an entire generation of black kids to go to college. And so the impact of that show goes beyond the personality of Cosby. And so now, what do we? 30 years how long ago was Cosby on
0: last it was like what 92 okay
1: so like 20 30 years hence it's already had its impact in the culture it's baked in we've already had all these kids that saw Cosby and were like I'm going to college and now they went to college and they graduate now they've got careers now they got kids
0: I'm not gonna lie like Mr. Gaines is the reason I wanted to go to college if I could find like someone that was cool like that man in the pit that was like right
1: I, actually he's from Chicago
0: Stop it. Lou Myers I, was from Chicago? Was
1: from Chicago. I saw him at Marshall Field when it was still Marshall Fields. Oh. Down in the, uh, I, was, I was eating lunch, and I was like, oh, that's Mr. Gaines. Anyway. Um,
0: Random facts, guys. No. Um,
1: um, yeah, so my point is, is that I think that the reason that there's a little bit of conflict is because you don't want to take it back. Like, in order for you to undo that, you'd have to be like, well, I'd have to command Z my, almost my entire life. Right. That got me here. All of the things that got me here were a part of that. You know, all the decisions that were made, all the TV shows you watched. um, And you can't negate that type of influence. And you can't undo that. Like you take that pin out. Like what happens? Where do you end up? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's why I think it's difficult for people to to sort of erase Cosby completely. Like uh, he did some. But there's Cosby, the individual who unfortunately did some horrible things. Right. You know, and we all have feet of clay. Um, he did some, he, his were more clay than I think others. Um, at
0: this point, we working with play Like, what <laughs> the hell were you going through, sir? Right.
1: And so, I think I agree fully. And, and, and I, I'm not going to lie, like when, when, when at first, when the accusations first came out, I was like, mm, he didn't do it. Wow. Right? And then, when it got up to, 50 i was like okay well it, 50 people can't all be saying the same thing
0: i think the thing for me when i the reason why even i am just so ugh when it comes to Nicki minaj um i don't care about her hypersexualism mm-hmm. like i don't i'm not bothered by that because i'm like josephine baker was hypersexual to if you or you know, what what is hypersexual or being hypersexual and also owning your autonomy. You know, like I don't have a problem with if you choose to be modest or if you choose, you know, to be an exhibitionist. Go for what you know as a woman. Mm -hmm. I guess the issue that I have with her is it's always this sense of just lack of accountability mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for calling a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. No one is blaming you or trying to say anything. God forbid that we have or would have a situation in our own personal families where a trusted family member, whether it be immediate or extended, was cre- or doing something that heinous, right? Mm-hmm. That still is not me doing it. So it's like even if somebody within your own household is doing that, I'm not blaming Nicki Minaj for the actions of her brother. right? You know, I'm not holding her on the the cross with him because at the end of the day, this young woman has absolutely nothing to do with what this grown man or the actions, the sick actions that he decided. The Mm -hmm. issue that I have is instead of being, you know, so argumentative, when people can just flat out see what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I think that, and I think that that's the bigger, and I think that that gets to the larger issue. I think that, When people start to defend and they're argumentative and they're, you know, their reasoning is based out of emotion and they're sort of like lashing out. Right. When they're Mm -hmm. when you bring up something, sorry, when you bring up something about some somebody and they don't really have a reason for it. Yeah. And, you know, it brings in it. It kind of pokes at an insecurity, pokes at something that's raw for them. Then they're going to lash out emotionally that they haven't healed, that they haven't healed from. So she's going to come. She's going to come out fighting. Right.
0: Y'all ain't gonna tell me how to live my exactly. life. Y'all can't even control exactly. your own happiness.
1: Be- exactly. Because yeah. you, Since
0: I just asked you if you wanted toast. Like right. what
1: is it? <laughs> Because you poked at something like back when she was little, she had toast and somebody mushed her in the face with toast, right? So right. Now, now, so now anytime
0: she sees a toast. Anytime there.
1: she sees toast, it's like it's she's coming at you, right? And so I think that the reason she's probably lashing out, I mean I heard this from the the prophet Jay-Z, and he didn't make this up, but hurt people, right? But he hurt people hurt, right? And he learned that after going through therapy. And I thought that that, you know, the interview he did, I forgot what the, it was with the New York Times or something like that. It was like a half an hour interview where he talked about the therapy he had gone through Mm. and how he had healed. And, you know, he's still trying to heal. And one of the things he said was like, you know, hurt people hurt. And so when you are poking at something that's probably um, emotionally raw for Nicki Minaj, she's not gonna she's not gonna rationally sit back and be like, oh, you might be right. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's not going that's because you've you've hit a sore spot.
0: And now it's amplified by the fact that she has what a hundred something million people looking yeah. at her, you know, on right. her social media platforms in terms of what you gonna do, girl, how you gonna handle it, right? And then
1: gonna- and then compound that with fame not that I'm famous or wouldn't know, but I've heard from people who are famous, like fame can, can put you in this situation where you're in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, not only do you have a hundred million followers and people are, you know, adoring you, you're in this bubble where people are telling you exactly what you want to hear, because Mm -hmm. the reason they're telling you what you want to hear is because their livelihood depends on you being okay with whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, if I'm getting paid by you, I'm going to make sure that I assuage your ego. Brooke,
0: mm. Raleigh, her two minions. I'm like, that's because you all need to make sure your paycheck for your filler stays like primo. Right. <laughs> like, right. Whatever the Blue Cross Blue Shield is that you have under her protection or safety right. net. You so ain't going to tell her something upset her. Because
1: my, my family depends on Nicki Minaj paying me or whatever
0: it's ridiculous honey they're tripping right it's it's not you it's totally them exactly and
1: so and so if you are surrounded by people telling you Mm -hmm. exactly what you want to hear how do you get outside of that i think that you have to make sure that you pick people in your that you surround yourself with who are going to tell you the truth
3: yeah
1: before you get
3: (laughs) tell the emperor ain't wearing no clothes
1: right exactly
0: (laughs) i think um To even highlight that point, so over the summer, me and my best friend, um, Amanda, we went. I visited her in D.C., and then we did, like, a little cutesy road trip to Pittsburgh. And I remember um, we went to Frederick Douglass' home. We did a tour of his home. What was that like? (sighs) I just, the fact that I. love
1: Frederick Douglass, by the way. I mean, I got, like,
3: Frederick Douglass was raw. like you know at the end where he like you know married that white
0: lady
1: left his left his yeah
3: (laughs) so
0: yeah okay so they definitely discussed that in the tour um how it wasn't a matter I think it was the way they explained it it was definitely more like companionship based the fact of how he did spend a lot of time with that specific abolition like he married that abolition what was his white friend abolitionist name I can't remember at the time Mm -hmm. but it was Mm -hmm. the daughter of his friend so Mm -hmm. um I don't think it was him on his, you know, Emancipation Proclamation OJ. Like, let me get Mm -hmm. with this white woman, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm because I can't. I truly think that with him it was a thing of, I know I am just as equal to everyone else and this is who I've fallen in love with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which was, even at that time, I think was still, like, super revolutionary because it's... His home literally is on a huge hill that overlooks D.C. Wow. Like, number one, the cross breeze up there, my God, like, I... I literally could have just like walked out back and took a nap like it was mm-hmm. so peaceful, so beautiful he actually died in his in the home, so mm-hmm. they end the tour by like letting you know like he was getting ready to go to meet um for some like some some sort of debate that he was he was speaking at a church on the other side of d c and they were pulling the carriage around and he just had a heart attack and the mm of his home and like he just passed like right there Ooh. and so because it was Victorian times like they you know took him upstairs and it was a he had a funeral mass that it was really great but I bring what the point I wanted to bring up was um when they were going through the tour in different areas because during that time like no one really had pictures they would do like bust of everybody he had a lot of times bust of his, some of his biggest like naysayers.
3: (laughs) That's funny. In Mm -hmm. the house.
0: Mm -hmm. So Langston Hughes, great uncle was Frederick Douglass, like biggest Mm -hmm. like issue. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. Frederick said, Langston's granddaddy was like, Nope, you're wrong. Stop it. You know, John Hughes, they didn't, they didn't see together or not John Hughes. I'll check his name, but they didn't see eye to eye for anything. But the one thing was Frederick kept him in his home and other people that he had had political disagreements with. Um, and I thought that was real just in the sense of like what you were saying.
2: Mm-hmm. You have to
0: have people that are just aren't going to necessarily give you a yes. Mm-hmm. Like you may not like the person or you may mm-hmm. not, you know, agree with where they stand on certain subjects, but you still can respect them and you still can also see like that might be a different view than mine, but I know you're coming from a good place and sincerity and wanting to help. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I will still have you in my house and admire those qualities about you, even though you get on my fucking nerve because right, right. you always are causing me issues. Right,
1: And it doesn't even uh, maybe it doesn't have to be that adversarial well, yeah. as much as it does have to be like, you know, somebody who's going to check you, check you. Mm-hmm. And I think that not only do you need that in your life, somebody who's going to keep you honest. Right. Like you need that in friends. You need that to surround you, not just people who are going to agree with you and tell you what you want to hear, but you need that in, I think, a uh, mate, right? Somebody yes. who's going to check you, somebody who's going to tell you, like somebody who's going to love you, but because they love you, they're going to also tell you when you're wrong and you have to be in a position like that you love that person, respect them enough that you will, oh, really? Okay, How ironic that, that Nikki that.
0: made the lyric I want to be the one to check you, but still respect you.
2: It's Ironic, just, but it matches, it. Yeah, it's, truth coming. Look, yeah, a broke clock is right twice a day. It's like, like, I'll give her that half place, a right. one. Yeah. Uh,
0: but no, that was just pretty much in terms of that. I I think she, her argumentativeness and just her lack of accountability, I think it overall undermines, number one, her legacy. Because now everyone just looks at her like, man, you really are out here needing the validation. You can't. Mm-hmm just evolving your career gracefully. But then also it's just a matter of like you, you come off like a, a really rich person that has not been healed.
1: You had talked about this uh, in your last podcast kind mm-hmm. of. When With Domitie. We yeah. Cause you were talking about Kevin Hart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And you were talking about the fact that, you know, he had a birthday party for his kids and it was cowboys and Indians. And then when people were like, you know, that's not cool. He doubled down. He doubled down. Right. And he was he came out swinging and instead of sort of taking a step back and like being like, oh, I hear what you're saying. That probably was not, you know, the best thing to be doing. I have a theory and I was thinking about it on the way in in terms of why there is this collective consciousness that wasn't around maybe 20 years ago 30 Mm -hmm. years ago or whatever like so now we are more sensitized to the plight of native americans we are more sensitized to the plight of women we are more sensitized to the plight of black people and i think it has to do with the rise of the internet definitely because we're not just watching two five seven and nine and having those channels and those opinions beamed to us like now
0: it's what are we scrolling and seeing on Facebook.
1: Everybody's got an opinion. and Everybody's everybody's plight can be communicated all at once. And so, you know, if you're gay, you can communicate that. And I think that that helped move them forward. Mm-hmm. Native Americans, you know, their plight. I went to the University of Illinois, which had the mascot mm-hmm. was... I
0: hated that mascot. Right. It was dad, the my chief. My dad couldn't stand him. Right. Yeah. And I
1: went there and we couldn't stand it. Right but you couldn't tell that to a lot of people who were in power, who were like, I'm not trying to hear you. It's tradition, blah, 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 blah. Now like fast that. forward, <laughs> fast forward. It got removed. Right. Mm-hmm. I
0: remember seeing white women in the stands at the last and like tears streaming down their face. Jesus,
2: Right.
3: <laughs> like, I feel like part of that is like, I guess they're losing this mascot that they love, but they're also losing a little bit of power. It's like, oh, I can't say what goes now. I have to sort of acquiesce to other people.
0: I think subconsciously that might be it. I think the delusion, though, in that moment was just like, oh, it's unfair that we're losing this tradition. I think a lot of times uh, for the white power base, they, they live in that realm of what is acceptable in terms of tradition, yeah. the confederacy. This is our heritage. This is our tradition. Um,
1: and tradition just means something you've been doing over yeah, and over it doesn't again. Mean it's right. right. It doesn't so mean it's right. You like you could do something. I could be an asshole for 15 years and say, my tradition is I'm an asshole, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm an asshole.
0: And I personally have said this multiple times. I don't give a damn about your tradition or mm-hmm. heritage if it is rooted in the dehumanization or the disrespect of others. Like if that's what your tradition is based in, then I suggest you get some new fucking traditions because that's not acceptable. Like
3: it's like the, the just, end.
1: Just because just because it's a tradition, just because it's something you do over and over and over again, does not make it right. If you do something wrong once and then you keep and on, keep doing, on it. doing it, that does a habit. not make it that's that a that does. Because if that were the case, slavery would still exist because that was going, that was the tradition. It was going on for 400 years. Right. Right. And if tradition made something correct, then that would be the land, the the law of the land. But it's not. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And I think that what happens now, and I think that what accelerates, you know, people becoming um, woke to these kinds of things <laughs> exactly. is is yeah. the fact that you've got the internet and you've got these things being able these your opinions being able to communicate yes. I used to tell my kid I tell my kids like I used to say this all the time when they were little or, and I still say it to them is um, when they would have a question or want to know something I'd say okay. you have a supercomputer in your pocket
3: yep if and then you- I stopped asking you things because <laughs> you would lie to me Sing
0: anyway and before. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But before we dip, I was about to say something about like, I've been thinking about like a lot about tradition and like how mm-hmm. white people sort of continue like justified things because tradition. I was saying, you know, the thing in the Netherlands with the Santa Claus, I the black literally face?
0: was about to not only that, but that cake, um, the uh. The prime minister of the Netherlands got ripped a new one because. Keep going. I'll find it so I can Uh, talk about what you're saying. Yeah. And
3: it's like, I was thinking, like, they do all, they do whatever they can to justify it, say it's tradition, say that they're showing black people in a great light. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're, like, your tradition can't be me. It's like, it doesn't matter what your tradition is. It's still me. So I can, like, dictate what it does. Like, if it's wrong and your tradition is me, it has no basis. It's like, for the chief, it's like, your tradition isn't of you. It's from somebody else that you take. You're sort of reaching into somebody else's livelihood. You're dictating yourself off your control of others. And that's not... There's no basis. I feel like part of it, part of the reason why so many new voices are being heard is that we're adjusting what we view the center is. So much like institutions and so much like just like how we socialize things, like put whiteness or white people in the center and like everybody else should like... Everything should evolve into whiteness or go into whiteness. And then now maybe partially with the internet is just like things moving forward. We're realizing that like, not even realizing like people who are marginalized are saying like, Hey, it's like, you're not the center and we're not the outskirts. Like we Mm. matter as much Mm -hmm. in this. It's like, we're not going to cater to you what we believe matters. It's like, I guess with the internet, it's like the internet has like allowed that to happen. But like a lot of it is just like people just sort of like reshifting the center. Mm -hmm. It's like, You're not at the center. You're not the sun. You're just a planet. There is no center anymore. Like, there's no center. You out here with us.
0: And I think that's also something that even I'm very vocal about with our own community. I do not believe that black people can be racist, but I definitely believe that we can be prejudiced and bigoted. And and that is, we have no ownership of the power structure. We're not Mm -hmm. the majority in terms of what what we say goes Mm -hmm. in society, but- we definitely can, I think at times, have this mindset of like, oh, our struggle, our fight, our this or that, and completely disregard the fight, the struggle, the pain, the dehumanization of others. Like, And I think Kevin Hart was just a great example of yeah, that. Yeah. Just because you are black does not mean that you get to you, know, you get to disregard, disregard yeah. my community or my culture, especially when we just got through learning even more about in native or indigenous people day I I don't even call it Thanksgiving anymore I mean I understand that it was created by Abraham Lincoln during war or during the the civil Civil war War. but even outside of that like to celebrate um Christopher Columbus Mm -hmm. no right right he
1: was and he was he was probably one of the worst human beings
0: you know ever on the planet
1: Go ahead. What were you going to
0: say? Um, I just wanted to bring up the cake. And this was something that I saw from 2012. So it was the Swedish, the prime minister of, like, arts and culture. Um, It was the racist (coughs) cake controversy. So basically, female circumcision is something that at the time, I mean, it still is an issue in certain, you know, cultures. Um, But she was making light of it, making jokes, and like the cake was like this really almost like Sambo looking caricature of a black woman, um, and then they made the joke like, oh, well you're gonna cut the clitoris out the cake,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: the cake on the inside was like red, uh, so it was just like, everyone was like, is, this, is she nuts, like what the hell is going on here, mm-hmm. and it even now makes me think about the controversy that's surrounding Prada,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how their whole Christmas line, um, not The whole of it but one of the it was some like digital little toys you know for Christmas gifts and like at first all I was seeing was the little dog and I'm just like this dog looks like the Pixar dog like I am all for a conspiracy theory and I'm all about calling out bullshit but I'm like this does not look racist and it took my friend sending me the the actual figurine that was the conspiracy and I was like this looks like a Piccaninny from a Popeye the Sailor cartoon from right. nineteen ten. Like, what the hell is this? Right. And so I understood, like, Prada instantly hopped on it. It was like, Oh no, we're taking it down. We had no intention of being racist, but I'm like, the marketing or that that ideology, it carries over. So your traditions have real repercussions in terms of um embedding or I should say that's the word I'm looking for. Not reigniting. It's when you're solidifying.
2: Mm-hmm. Impacting. Um, or yeah.
0: Impacting, solidifying. Of course, I'm going to remember the word I meant at like 3 a.m. in the morning yeah, mm-hmm. when it don't make no sense. But no, for reinforcing. Okay. The stereotypes and issues that we have to face. Right. right. Totally not where we started with Nikki, but great, con- like, yeah, it, open forum. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and I think, say,
1: yeah. no, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but... Um, I think that, you know, when it, the, the idea with uh, Prada and putting out that little black Sambo kind of thing and thinking of it as benign and not, not even thinking about it and even, you know, I know what I was going to say, I was going back to Kevin Hart and the idea of um, not sort of recognizing, you know, what, you know, the Native American struggle is and then excusing it by saying like, oh, I'm black, you know, I have my own struggle. I think that as black people, we can either go two ways. And I think our strength is that we have had this struggle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, in this country. And our strength should be in the fact that we have that struggle, we can empathize and we can see that struggle within other people. We should be the first ones to recognize, to, to recognize it and see it and empathize with it and be like, no, we don't accept it for us and we recognize it and we don't accept it in anybody else. Unfortunately, we also have the other aspect of it where we can say, well, because I've suffered...
3: Like, I don't have to care about you I suffering. I don't have
1: to care about you suffering. I've had the exactly. most suffering. So
0: I'm not about to get into an argument about over who, who had it worse, or. the Holocaust right. or the Transatlantic slave trial. I'm just it doesn't matter. I'm not picking like apples and oranges out that conversation. You right. know, like and I've seen be, people that will literally mine is worse to back and, and forth. And,
1: and the point is not whose is worse. It's like We've both been through it. We've both been through so it. So can, can we you... please
0: come together? Like we're both Exactly.
1: Be- exactly. And so Instead of doubling down and saying like, oh, didn't we all, you know, dress up as cowboys and Indians like,
2: yes, that was before,
1: maybe, but that was before the internet. And that was before you had a supercomputer in your pocket. You have the opportunity if you didn't recognize it. And let's say that he didn't recognize it before. Mm -hmm. When people brought it to his attention, that's his opportunity. That's your aha moment. That's your opportunity to be like, oh, I didn't think of that. That's one to grow on,
0: right? <laughs> or even just the stupidity of, like, even I find it hilarious, the whole thing of, like, oh, we all played cowboys as kids. But the, the thought process when you think about cowboys, you think of John Wayne. You think of, oh, Pilgrim, and he's saving the Wild West from, you know, the heathens that occupy the land. And the actual truth. Is that the typical American cowboy started off as African Americans because right. a lot of times the work was so dangerous and backbreaking and literally you could kill yourself trying mm-hmm. to break these Broncos. So it's like a lot of cowboys were black. Right. Same thing with jockeys. A lot of jockeys were black. Right. Up until a certain point in the Kentucky Derby. White people just bet on what the horse was, but they weren't going to get on them. But the thing was, once a lot of African-Americans started winning so much, they were like, no, they've got to come out. Right. Right. Bring them back, Johnny. We're Mm -hmm. not doing this. So even with that narrative, you're still perpetuating a stereotype because you have no idea who you are or just like where you, what you come from in terms of your own community.
1: That's right. That's right. And, you know, I think that if we could bring that forward to Prada, I think that that Mm -hmm. same blind spot exists. Right, um, for a corporation like Prada, you know they were probably like, "Oh, isn't this cute? Isn't this clever? You know, we're going to, you know, put out this product because we think it's so adorable." And that's the blind spot that happens it's a key in chain. right. It's a keychain, and and that's the blind spot that happens. You and I know this from where we were, you know, where we used to work. A lot of that happens.
0: Like Mariah Carey, I don't know her. <laughs> like, okay.
1: <laughs> but a lot of that happens because you don't have a because you have a one kind of thinking. Yeah. Right. The majority of people, I guarantee, the majority of people at Prada were white, and they yeah. all thought that this was great, and they. Didn't I always
0: have... go to the director, the board of directors. Yeah. If you got that same Sepia tone, looking because you for the few people of color, you don't want us to really figure out like, are they mm-hmm. black? Are they? You know. Indi- like what is that is that a Latino ex-member like who is yeah right nobody was nobody nobody
1: was there and nobody was gonna pull your coat on like I don't think that's a good idea and so that happens that happens with Prada mm-hmm. that happened with Pepsi that happens with so H&M. many H&M happened with H&M
0: people couldn't even tell me where the headquarters are I'm like so they're a Swedish based company
1: a Swedish based oh of course they don't know
0: everyone was white like right. not- their suits were black that was about it
1: right and so, you know, that, you know, because they've got this one way of thinking, nobody's going to pull their coat until it ends in tears. Right. Then they start to lose money or they're no longer in the black. Right.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Right? Like, um... They
1: start to, you know, oh, it becomes a problem and it always becomes a problem after the fact. Right. Mm-hmm. It always, you know, after they've lost after it becomes a PR disaster, after they lost tons of money. Then they want to like see yeah. what they now can. Now they do want to, to, to show us the plan. This, right. this is right.
0: our twelve-step integrated Negroes plan. We right. care now. Like we'll I'm right. just sitting the there going like, shut up. Right. And even when I think about that, all the I see running through my timeline, all the Balenciagas on their breath, and oh, you a basic bitch. You who you still wearing Coach, and we leveled up. And I'm just in there like, absolutely no clue. Right. No clue. Like, Tommy Hilfiger ain't the only one calling you nigger. Like, it's a lot of the rest of these brands that are completely okay with our consumption but do not want us in these tables making decisions or yeah. you're to actually help give us equity. Right. Um, that, I mean... <sighs>
2: More than so I then
1: think. the question becomes, like, and because I was thinking about this, the question becomes, we keep going through this cycle of... Um, Action, reaction. Action, reaction. Yeah. They do something stupid, we react to it, mm-hmm. and um, somebody else does something stupid, we react to it. And so, how do we release ourselves from this cycle? And it's probably the, you know, the idea that you know a lot of people like you know, Jay Z and Beyonce are. We got to start to build our own. I had this. I had this discussion with this really uh, good friend of mine who was a director, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, he was talking about the fact, um, that he asked me, had I gone to the museum of African American history in DC? I yeah, was H- going to bring it? that up. Yeah, I am in it. I should go. I yeah. was,
0: was going to bring that up, but carry on while you were, what your thought was.
1: Um, but, um, he was talking about the fact that this museum is amazing because first of all, um. It's the museum that has made the most money on the mm-hmm. National Mall. Right? It made, it, uh, I forgot how much it cost, but it made that up in like a month. Because we pop out. Right?
3: It's just a fact. Right let me tell you, When so, I went out so,
0: there, it was the biggest black cookout. It was like standing in line, which took forever to even get in it because right? they were giving away free tickets.
2: Yeah. The free tickets. You,
0: or... you saw like, Alpha memorabilia from 1950. Like, you saw, like, old hit. They were in Sunday's best. You saw yeah. literally every possible different combination of black person that you could ever think of, whether it was upper echelon to right. just, like, you know, lower working class families, who, like, to college friends together, whether you were, you know, Whitley Gilbert or Freddie Brooks. Like, you saw everyone right. in this space. And
1: that's not a only point. And the, the director's name is Malik Syed, and he's an amazing director. He's worked with like you know, he's God. worked with Jay Z, he's worked with he's worked with everybody. This brother is phenomenal. But he was talking about the he was talking about the museum, and he said that the interesting thing about it is not only has it made the most money of any museum on the National Mall, Air and Space, like whatever, like it dwarfs them because it's not only making money from black folks, but it's making money from white folks. And he said, the reason why is because our history is the history of America. Mm -hmm. And he said, and he's like, and if you think about it, he's like, it's like music. It's, it's jazz. It's blues. It's hip hop. It's R and B. It's everything. It's even more than music. It's more than culture. It's, but culturally, like we have made, we. we have made the biggest impact on this. And he said, i'll never forget this he said there's something seductive about that like the our story the way that our story is you know sort of maps out the story of this country there's something seductive like you
0: can't
2: because you have to
0: know how are you still here like white people may not ever just flat out say it or i should say collectively have the true accountability for what their actions you know just how horrific or how horrible it was right but they, let's be honest, when it, it goes for for effort in every possible way, the powers that be have tried to keep the, our community out, to eradicate us. Right. Didn't do it with
2: slavery. But black did, people you did You take
0: everything away from us. Even when I think about soul food, yes, it's not the healthiest thing in the world. And yes, now we have options and access to, you know, to better food options, right? Holistically. Mm-hmm. But even when I think that is the story of blackness, we make beauty out of we Nothing make diamonds out of dust. Out we make beauty out of darkness. Like we did it. You cannot stop us. And you can't and that's, us. We, right? You still putting us several paces behind. If you level the playing field, I don't think the world would ever want to know what that looks like. Because right. if we're that's able to that, accomplish the, this without a level of playing field, what happens if we do have this, the that's same true. opportunities that's the now?
1: Fear of a black planet. I mean, that's what <laughs> isn't that what true? Um, And that's what the fear is. That's the fear. That's part of the fear is like, what if we were given the same, you know, opportunities? One, two, they're afraid that we'll do the same thing to them that they did to us. Yeah. Like, Like, that's the biggest fear is like, if we ever get in power and we ever take it back, like, they're afraid. You know how, talking about infidelity, you know how like when people are cheating or whatever they projected they projected onto somebody else like they assume that what they're doing is what they're doing what you're, the you know, mm-hmm. what the other person is doing and it's right?
0: like actually i was late because i had all these damn revisions like yeah. no right
1: exactly so they're uh, they're projecting what they're doing onto you that's the same thing right they assume and they project what they have done And the way that they think about us, they, I mean, it's not, it's not even something that's in the past. Mm -hmm. It's not anything that's in the past. They know how they think about us. They know exactly how they think about us now. Mm -hmm. And it plays itself out in so many ways, like where they decide they want to live. What oh, where, they wanna, makes... where they want to where they want to send their kids to school? True. I mean, all of that stuff plays itself out now as much as as much as people don't want to admit it to themselves, and they will contort themselves into pretzels to deny what they really think. And you know, nowadays, like you call somebody a racist is worse than being a, a racist. Right? Nobody wants to be called the R word now. Right? I
0: don't want to be called fat, but if I'm fat, I'm fat. Like you know, I don't like that's the thing that. We are so concerned with the perception. We're not actually getting to the root of the issue. Right. I don't care if you're. I I also say this now. We are a culture that is offended over every little thing.
2: Mm.
0: I don't want to be around someone who is malicious, but I do not mind hurting someone's feelings to better them. And that's the thing. Let me back this up. It's not a matter of me trying to say something. That hurts you, but I can't take away how you are going to feel or how you're going to react to my statement. I can even preface it by saying, I'm going to say this out of love Mm -hmm. because I support you. If, say, if you are someone that's morbidly obese, I just think like maybe we need to work out a little bit more or whatever because your current lifestyle or your health choices are Mm -hmm. negatively impacting you, and I don't want to see you die. That can hurt your feelings. Now, I just said that in the nicest, most positive way I possibly could. Mm -hmm. But if it also still causes you to action then I don't mind you looking at me in that construct of like, in that moment, I hurt your feelings. Now, I'm also not going to come up to you and be like, look, that's why you can't fit your clothes. Or I hear you huffing and puffing like a clump. (laughs) Now, I would never say that because that's rude and malicious and not out of love. Right. Mm -hmm. But we get so concerned with like, oh, are you offending this person versus the fact like, but is it the truth?
1: Yeah, we're concerned with how people are saying things rather than what they're saying. Even
3: more, if you're a racist or if you're doing if you're acting out on racism, you're offending me. You're like you're like literally like you're jumping into my lane and telling me how to drive. It's like if I tell you to get out of my lane, it's like, hey, you're
0: Or you have to treat me with respect. Yeah.
3: And then they get offended as like they get people get offended the most from proclamations of self. Especially like with white people. It's Mm -hmm. like their identity is sort of I don't wanna make I'm about to say, like, a lot of their identity is, like, it's socialized, the belief that they have the right to dictate others' lives. It's, like, they have the right to dictate others. And it's, like, not just in, like, a big general sense, but even, like, in small things, in, like, small conversations. It's funny, like, a lot of times, like, if you're in, like, a conversation, like, especially in school, and there's, like, even if there's only one white person or even it's, like, a bunch of white people, they always, like, the white people always make themselves, like, the center of the conversation, the authority they choose what's valid or not. And then when people say it's like, hey, like when people call them out on that or say like, hey, you're directing my life. Stop. Get back in your lane. Then they get offended because they believe their identity is control over you.
0: So when you like... Or that should be the standard of the norm. I can't tell you how many times I have to say like, my pride or celebrating myself is not me negating your pride of yourself. It's the fact... Like you don't matter. Right. I'm chilling. So if you get upset <laughs> because I walk much. in to you know work with a black excellence pin on mm-hmm. me, Ain't got nothing to do with Declaring my excellence is not saying that you are mediocre. Now if you feel that way, that's an issue. That's you that is a, an internal issue that has absolutely nothing to do with me. But me. Speaking life, like you said, Morgan, into myself or being happy or positive about my own life is not me saying "screw white people." It's not me saying, and even the conversation I'm having, I know for a fact if certain people heard this, they couldn't think past the fact. Of, well, not all white people are. Wrong. I'm not like that. I have black, and I'm like, this is not me cursing y'all white people. This is not me saying I want y'all all in cages like Daca. This is not me saying that I'm secretly. Plotting the Nat Turner Revolt. Mm -hmm. Because if I think about it this way, Barack Obama ran on the campaign of Cise Puede. Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. The we was inclusive of everybody, no matter what your racial composition was, your ethnicity, socioeconomic background, um, sexuality, gender affiliation, any of that. It was we in terms of what I don't want to say the illusion, but what the hope for what America stands for mm-hmm. could actually be, right? What's the difference between that and all lives matter? Now. There's a incredible difference. <laughs> no, no, no. In the sen- there, it's a difference in the sense of, and this has always been my opinion. It's been dis- distorted and muddied up because it's always that reaction or that excuse that is used in the sense of, well, black lives, well, all lives matter. Right. But to me, if you were to strip away like the naysayers and the excuse that they use to me, see, say, pray, yes, we can. And all we all together, those to me still are equal statements that just have a different connotation based on who has taken it and run with it. And I think the thing is, if we are truly trying to get to that place of inclusivity, if we're, tr- yes, we're trying to get to the place where everyone's life has equal value and equal voice within our society. That's what I mean by it. Not mm-hmm. in the sense of saying like, I I support, I'll fuck that. No, yeah, I no. don't. Mm-hmm. Based on how that, how it's been distorted and used. I feel like. But that's what I mean by that. You get Yeah.
3: I feel like C-Set C. Pratt- Puerta, like yes, we can. Like its basis, it's like that, like mentality of like come as you are. It's like mm-hmm. you don't have to change yourself in order to like, like you don't have to dilute yourself in order to get progress. Like come as you are, and like
0: because we will work together.
3: We will work together. We as like we is like a comp, we is like a summation of individuals. Mm-hmm. For all lives matter is just like diluting everybody into this one big soup which is going to eventually just sort of cater to whiteness. It's sort of like with the all lives matter, part of it just in reactionary to like sort of dilute black lives matter. Right. But like all lives matter is just sort of just like all lives matter, but I don't want to address like every life. I just want to generalize everybody. So it just make everybody one big clump.
0: So if the situations then that led to like those all lives matter statements, if that wasn't our mental association with it, would you feel the same way?
3: I mean, like that's like saying, like, if the sky True. wasn't blue, then would you like the sky? It's like, if the if it was different, then like, I guess, yeah.
0: Okay, gotcha. Oh, yeah, you. but
1: I think context matters, and I think that the, the 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 difference is that yes, we can was not a reaction <laughs> to anything. It was a the call. Statement. Yeah, it right. was a call. It was a call to arms. Like, yes, we can. We all can. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas All Lives Matter only makes sense within the context of Black Lives Matter, right? So All Lives Matter did not come in and of itself. It was, so the context of it, because if it had come out first, it it'd be like, okay, All Lives Matter, it wouldn't mean anything. It would not mean a thing. All Lives Matter, like, okay. That's, I guess we can say that, but it would not have caught on. It would just have been, gone away there'd
3: be a difference like right like
1: but but the the, i'm sorry uh but the fact that it came in within the context of black lives matter um as a reaction to that it was like no and it was it was a way of negating it and saying like no it's not that black lives matter it's that all lives matter it was an effort to trump it and it's obviously false right because if all lives matter we wouldn't need to say black lives matter right so but that's not a truism right Um, but also (laughs) But one of the things that Morgan said that I wanted to sort of touch on is that um, whiteness sort of defining itself as the center, yeah. um, becoming problematic. Um, we <laughs> um, we were watching Crazy Rich Asians last I wanna night. I want to see that. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I like it. it was, it's a good movie. And the interesting thing about that movie was it's based on a book. Uh,
0: right.
1: It was based on a book. And did you know that once Hollywood got the book, the suggestion was made, hey, wouldn't it be more interesting if we made the protagonist the woman white? Like let's make her white. Shut and up. it got shut down.
0: Are you insane? Yep. Like what?
1: Who right. told you? But now now for us it's like have you lost your mind? And I'm sure for the writers and the people who are have you lost your mind? Like that's a that's not the same story. Mm-hmm. However, if you are white and you're looking at this story and, and they did, they said the same, I don't know if you're old enough to remember boomerang.
0: Yeah. Oh, with Eddie Murphy. With they Eddie wanted, Murphy. Where are the white people in the movie?
1: Exactly. One of the things they called it, I remember the time they called it a race movie because it was all black people and there was no white people. And so people were like, where's the white people in this movie? And for them, the story is not valid unless um, there's white a white protagonist somebody that they can they can identify with and be like oh that's me in this story the same thing with the green book which i would kind of refuse mm, to see yeah. i definitely refuse the to see book. the oh, green book the green book yes
0: with uh, mahershala ali and vigo mortensen
1: mm,
2: yes.
1: um so that story itself like it ne- it needed it required from them a white protagonist the miles davis ladder movie um oh yeah i was right? so
0: disturbed by that movie
1: right they need the white protagonist because without that there there's a concern that it's not going to get box office draw like who you know white people aren't going to go see this movie if there's no white people in it and for white people it's like how do i find my way into this story if i don't see me mm. the question that i have is ever since there have been movies For the most part.
0: I've had to do that my whole life. i had to do that my whole life. And I still saw Jurassic Park. (laughs) And I still love Forrest Gump. And I'm not going to stop watching Fried Green Tomatoes. (laughs) Or A Time to Kill. Or Men in Black. Or anything. Men in Black have Will Smith. So did <laughs> horse Gump It had Bubba Gump. Yeah. Damn. Uh, but that wasn't but, your yeah, way in. The, that
1: was not your way into that story. True.
0: The story was me watching this handy, abled young man yeah. and all these ridiculous lies of historical events that they right. put him in. It's like even right. more,
3: it's like Breakfast Club, all white people.
0: Don't you forget about me. I I'm was si- forgotten. Was there was nothing that looked right. like me. I Star Wars.
1: Star Wars. Until, you know, the second or third one, till Billy yep. Dee Williams got there.
0: I mean we had the voice of James Earl Jones right, that's right. about it Darth
3: Vader was black I'm just saying
0: yeah. he, he literally was <laughs> like
3: Anakin whitest boy I've ever met but once he hit that lava something changed <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Professor X it was a
0: juice <laughs> it's like
3: when Professor X hit the X chemical and then yeah. made the Powerpuff Girls that lava was like the X chemical <laughs> Exactly. That made like, Darth let me Vader some black because
0: you've been out here in these galaxies. The just, force was
3: like, "Hey, yo, uh, let me add some spice to you." <laughs> they
0: hit <get> the salt <laughs> base. They the just, just dropped it on him, and
3: then became Darth Vader.
0: And then he's like, "Oh, it's a new day." Oh, that was so enriching, especially in how yeah. Like, well, I guess Nikki paved the way for a real conversation. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, so much. Well, I do not know what you all will be drinking come cuffing season 2019 that is currently upon us, but for those long, lonely winter nights where he lied and said he was coming over and he did not, make sure that you have Cavasier VSOP to ease the pain. It kept us posted in the summertime and it'll definitely be here for the wintertime with that smooth, velvety taste that we all love. So make sure whatever you are drinking that it is Cavasier VSOP. And now back to Joy Has Questions. But moving right into, so, I have a question. I am, um, like I said, super happy to have you all here on the show just because of the creative aspect and how you yeah. all, I always think creativity is a form of protest. It is a form of activism because that's directly tied into your mind. And a free mind is a powerful one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I found out about the Franklin Chronicles when I was at work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Danielle, yeah, yo, what you mean, Gina? i like... A whole other, you know, branded life because you know there were a couple influencers at our old job, but it was just like I, I just saw Gene is like, oh, okay, creative director comes through in his blazers, always gonna like, <laughs> like that's it. So in terms of how you mm. even got started with yeah. it, um, also huge shout out to Howard Schultz just because I love peanuts. Mm like charles schultz oh shit i said howard schultz. <laughs> that's the, the ceo of take that out <laughs> of, uh, take starbucks that out. yes i said the wrong white man yeah. <laughs> like charles schultz and yeah, i went to that dude. museum of science and industry when they had in like 2012 it was mm. dedicated to him i got to see his old typewriter yeah, oh wow they had like all the life they, they had a whole section dedicated to franklin like yeah, when wow. he um you know got introduced yeah so yeah. what made you start it
1: so uh i started the Ranger chronicles um um, maybe about 18, 20 years ago when, my, when I had kids, <clears throat> when I first had kids, um, and I was a young father. And this was like, you know, the beginnings, like social media wasn't really around, but mm-hmm. blogs were. And so I was a art director in advertising, and I was looking around at the stories that were being told, and I was like, I ain't in none of these stories. Like, my experience is not in any, like... It's not really being represented on television. You know, Cosby had come and gone. Um, Television, uh, movies, uh, the commercials we were making (laughs) weren't about me. Um, And so I decided like, oh, since there's this new thing called the Internet and everybody, you know, democratization of, you know, everybody's voice, I was like, let me do mine. So I started writing my stories because I and it wasn't anything more than. Um, I wanted them to exist somewhere in the universe. I just wanted it out there. And so I just started writing stories about being a father, stuff that I thought, you know, all of my crazy musings and nonsense. a lot and, of: crazy musings and nonsense.: Yeah, a lot of it is crazy <laughs> musings and nonsense. And so um, so that kind of like it started getting a bit of a following. And I never claimed to be a writer. Like, I was, I, I was not a writer. I was, I'm a graphic designer. A visual, yeah. yeah. so I'm an art director. So I was just writing what I thought. And so I got better and better. And people were following, like, yeah, hey, this is actually really good. Like, the stories were funny and, you know, all of that. And so the blog um, started evolving into a podcast. Like, podcasts came out in whatever, the early 90s. I was like, oh, let me try podcasts. Like, this seems cool. Um, this was the first iteration. Like, now podcasts are... Know, way more popular
2: everywhere
1: yeah. and so i started telling my nonsense stories into a microphone and then um eventually i had a friend who i used to work with who saw the franklin chronicles and started reading and listening he was like hey why don't we start shooting these like we can we can make these into short films so i was like cool so the franklin chronicles is basically My view on life and, you know, just um, a black father, you know, and his experience out in the universe and just, you know, it's very idiosyncratic because it's very much my voice, which I had to which I had to sort of get um, comfortable with. The reason that it's called the Franklin Chronicles, if I could back up, is because when I grew up. You know, I was growing up in the 70s, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's indicative of a time, right? Um, People who grew up on the same things I grew up on, PBS, Sesame Street. Like, this is when Sesame Street first started. Mr. Rogers first started. Like, all of this this experimentation in the 70s was happening, right, On, on television. And so you've got you've got peanuts you've got um sesame street you've got the electric company and you got all of this stuff poured into this little black kid and one of the things that i remember of sesame street was the character roosevelt franklin and he was a little puppet and they had this little theme and they sort of had this little school thing where roosevelt and his friends would learn right um and so I noted that and then also the Franklin character in you know, Peanuts was mm-hmm. named Franklin. And so I used that name as like sort of like a call out to be like this era of black kids. This era of black kids is, is Franklin, is me. And what happens when Franklin gets old? Right? What happens when Franklin when this kid gets old and has kids of his own and grew up with this worldview and starts to impart it to his friends or his friends and his kids and how does that look right Um, sometimes it sometimes it makes sense sometimes it comes out in like nonsense and like what Mm -hmm. my wife likes to say a lot of times when my kids were growing up I would like Morgan kind of alluded to like I would make shit up all the time like they'd ask me something and I'd make it up some people call that lies but I call it creative storytelling my wife used to You know, when I'm telling these (laughs) stories, my wife used to walk in and be like, stop trying to make my kids stupid. (laughs) So that's kind of like the genesis of the Franklin Chronicles. And, you know, it's just gone on from there. And now my whole goal is to like make it its own brand and, you know,
2: move it forward.
0: Alrighty. So in terms of Morgan being a child Mm. of, you know, um, Eugene, in essence, like, did you start to get your own like creative pulse by looking at your parents? Like, where did that come from?
3: Shout out to Taylor. Yeah, shout out to Taylor. Big hey, shout out. And and listen to your mom. Like, and my, have... mama. Yeah, and my mama. Yeah, my mama.
0: Yeah. So, what um way to help spark your creative passion? Because you're you're an amazing spoken word artist. Oh, thank
3: you. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of like different. I feel like, I mean, like when you like do poetry, you have to like think about your past a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like poetry is like a it, like, makes you do your own therapy because a of poetry is, like, based off, like, your own experiences. And then you just sort of, like, get caught up thinking about your own experiences and your past. So, I'm, like, I've been thinking about, like, what has inspired me and, like, what's brought me here. And a lot of it, like, was not part, of, like, my father, just always being in a household. It was, like, my father was always writing something. Like, he'd be telling all these stories. Like, I remember, like, just, like... Seeing him, like, it's like when he'd be downstairs recording the podcast, me and Terry weren't allowed downstairs, like, we kids, and, like, (laughs) he's recording the podcast, he has to be efficient, and he was cousin, but, like, sort of, like, (laughs) just, like, now
0: we grown, so we in here, no here.
3: (laughs) I'm in the podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, just having this giant in the woods of, like, my father downstairs with the podcast, and sometimes hearing, like, some of the stories that he wrote, and then, like, and, like, even, like, besides, like, the podcast, my father, like, is always just telling stories, Mm-hmm. Like I always say, like I come from like a family of storytellers. It's like family of grits. <laughs> like every time, uh, like like anytime you get my father, his brother, and like his father, my grandpa in a room, they always finna to tell a story. It's usually the same story over again, <laughs> but like the intensity that they do it is like higher. And it starts with, like, my uncle with the story. And then my father joins in because my uncle messed up. And they both, like, they both, like, really get into telling this one story about, like, how they didn't do the dishes as a child. Mm -hmm. And then, like, they do sound effects. And they do, like, oh, and then this happened and this happened. And then my uncle has to do something in slow motion or something. (laughs) And then my grandpa comes in and he talks about, like, y'all didn't do them dishes. It's, like, that's sort of besides the point, but just sort of, like, like, we're always telling stories. We're always telling our past. That was like, a pattern always, of what you saw. Yeah. And, like, I always wanted to join in. I always wanted to be a part of that. And, like, I always wanted, like, to be a good storyteller. And that's what I, I feel like went into poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, my direct, like, thing that really, really got me into poetry was just my sister. Like, she was in the spoken word club before me. She's two years older. So she was, like, ingrained into my high school spoken word club before I came in. So, like... Once I came into high school, she was, like, the main force that was, like, pushing me into poetry. Okay. So, my sister was really the definite thing that, like, pushed me into poetry and, like, kept me into poetry and made me feel comfortable in the whole poetry community. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had to shout out to her. Like, big shout outs. Like, big props. She did a lot for me. Uh, love you, sister.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> um So, in terms of looking at your relationship, which I think is beautiful, I also... um It's so ironic. I just had a conversation this weekend just in terms of, like, you know, sometimes strained relationships between, like, black fathers um, and their children, Mm -hmm. black mothers and black daughters sometimes, like, how that's an unspoken thing. We don't talk about that trauma um, Mm -hmm. in the sense of how black women raise their daughters or treat their daughters Mm -hmm. um, or that pathology. But you all seem to have, like, a very... Um, and this is totally on the outside looking in. I'm pretty sure there's some days you're like, oh, God, where's college? But, like, mm-hmm. you all seem to have, like, a pretty, you know, very healthy relationship. What would you all both attest or attribute um, to you all, like, seemingly appearing as not only father and son, but as friends?
1: Um, I don't know if we're friends. We're still father and son. He's okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, look, because we have the Because we have this thing. Friendly. We have this. Yeah. Because we, we just have this thing. When my kids were, were young, you know how kids always are. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, they get mad and they'll be like, you're not my friend. And we, me and my wife would always be like, that's right. I'm not your friend. I'm your father. <laughs> and gotcha. I don't get it twisted. Like I'm, And we, we, because, you know, our thought is that being a parent is more than being a, a friend. Like, why would I downgrade myself to, a, to being his right. friend? Like, I'm, I'm his father. I'm, you know, we have a different relationship, right? Right. Um, But I think we're, I would say we're cool. Um, I think that part of the, I'm I'm sure I get on his nerves because I always say somebody's strengths becomes their weakness, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I'm the storyteller, but I'm also what I had to learn, you know, in raising a child. And if anything, it's probably, I have to give credit to my wife, but when I was raising Taylor and Morgan, um, I never, when I would discipline them, I never really I didn't spank them or anything like that, but I would lecture the hell out of them, right? Yep. And they would and their eyes would glaze over. And so it's like a different it's a different form of storytelling, right? It's like now nah, this is the this is the bad part. It's like Oh, that's what you did. Okay, we're gonna have a conversation about this, and I'm gonna tell you about this for an hour and a half, and they were just both like, "Oh God,
0: <laughs> oh, God. I'd rather get <laughs> spanked." Right?
3: I would learn more just in a quick spank. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like my mother had it right. It's just like, "Oh, you did that, spank, spank," and then like whenever like whenever I might go up and do the like whenever I might do something wrong, my mother would just look at me and then I remember that spanking and then I stopped.
0: Right. Like, right. like no, I'm not going down that road. Right. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, we were, we had different parenting, um, ways of parenting. Like, she I always say... She
0: the line, you did all the time. She's like, are y'all still at this kitchen table? And like, she had
1: to, she would she, she'd have to pull my coat. She'd be like, you can't, you can't be lecturing three-year-olds for an hour and a half. Like, that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not gonna work. Right? And so, um... So I had to like, you know, change and sort of adapt or whatever. I always say like, my anger is like uh, uh, thunder. It's like, you know, rolling, mm-hmm. rolling. My wife's anger is like lightning. Like when she gets mad, it's like, cut And it's like hard, it's fast, it's loud, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Like she'll come in the room like, did you, have you lost your and And I, I didn't curse. <laughs> she would curse. I remember one time we were um, in the living room and they were like seven and five or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to them. I was like, um, "Who curses in the house? Is it, is it me or your mother?" And they, they were both like, "Mommy." And my mother, uh, my wife, was walking through with uh, laundry. She was like, "That's right. I curse. <laughs> Don't get cursed at." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so she has a she had a different way of just like coming down. But she's also. She's also fair. She's also very fair, right? So you know you don't want that lightning coming down in your head. Um, But you know it's that's it. It's over. And I still love can, you, yeah. and they move on. Me, talk and talk, talk and talk, talk and talk and talk, and I'm gonna be mad for a month, <laughs> right? So that's yeah. That's the, that's the ba- how to balance the, it. That's the,
0: but I think though it, it's it's. You all haven't said that, but the talk, it's the communication. Mm. I think that's something that whether or not you are a household that looks at your your kids and go, like, there will be that line of demarcation. I'm your mom, I'm your dad, I'm not your friend. Now, I can only speak, you know how we were talking about trauma or like from mm. earlier situations. That was something that was always said to me. I, I don't know no black child that or child here mm. that hasn't had that. I ain't one of your little friends out here. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. but I know for me personally, that was something that always, like, hurt my feelings. Because mm. I was just like, I wanted to get to a place of, like, where I could feel like, yes, now as a child, I know I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. But once I get older into adulthood, I do want to be able to have, like, yes, I'm never going to kiki with my mom or... You know, with my father, like I would one of my girlfriends. I'm right. never gonna be like, girl. Let me tell you, no, Like hey, that's just not. But our... that
1: does evolve. The relationship does evolve, right. right? And so when they get when they're young, it's more of you're instilling. It's like you're the filling their cup. The yeah, moral you're codes. you're trying to fill them up with with everything that they need. And basically, I think. Um, teenage years is the, is the final is the exam. Yeah. Like right? all this time you've been studying and oh, you've been trying to like, right. You've been, you've been trying <laughs> to finals. fill them up with everything that they need to know. <laughs> and then
0: you just not use that word. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like find a synonym, a test, something. <laughs> <Right. An> exam. exam. <laughs> right.
1: But now, now is when they, when they, the interesting part is, you know, when everything you try to teach them is when they start to apply it.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: And so now they apply that to their lives and, you know, they're picking and choosing all the things that you have said and you're like, Oh, don't choose that. Or, but they, you know, it's up to them. Like a a lot of it is, um, and that's going to carry them forward. But the other cool thing about it is you get to have a conversation with somebody and see how their mind works. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when they get older and they're not children anymore, they're young adults and they're making their own decision and forming their own opinions and you you get to sit there and be like what do you what do you think what do you think about that mm-hmm. right and you get to hear that back and like oh that's really that's really interesting mm-hmm. that's that's cool
0: i think also it's creating an environment where your child has the freedom to know like my response may not be something that would be your response But it still is a a baseline or a threshold of respect, not let me just keep this to myself or placate you and give you an answer I think you want to hear because I'll be condemned if I tell my truth or like how I really feel about the situation. So I think there's still an openness there, though.
1: I think it's something that you said at the beginning of your show where you said that you are trying to um, get people to think critically. Right. And I think that that's one of the things and I I even heard Michelle Obama say that that's one of the things that was instilled in her in Uh. her childhood. Right. Michelle Obama, the best of us. <laughs> the best, she she <laughs> is the best so of us.
2: She's
0: so sophisticated. I love her.
1: <laughs> right. But that's one of the things that was instilled in her was, you know, being able to assess and think critically. And I think that that's what we try and still in our kids as well is, you know, looking at the world and trying to inform them of the world, but then giving them a sense of like how to process that and think about it critically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so I feel like part of it, it's like you're talking about like how
3: like other parents is like and other kids like they have to hide what they're saying or also mm-hmm. be like criticized or also be like, what's it called? Like judged. A, not even judged uh, when like a emperor just sort of like lays the hammer down and just like
0: uh, you said that and I thought a totalitarian. I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly something like
3: it's like your opinions and your viewpoints, you have to hide it in order to
0: mm-hmm. like. To survive,
3: yeah, in order right. to just be more palatable for your parents, and it's just like I guess in like my household it's like you know I got opinions and I got like viewpoints, and then my parents are just like, all right, what what are your opinions? what are your viewpoints? I feel like now I have this relationship where like I can like my father can ask me, what do you think about that, and like he won't immediately like devalue or like devalidate what I said mm-hmm. it's like he won't smack it down he'd be like, oh, that means nothing, you too young it don't matter it's like I feel like my parents have raised me in a way that, like, like they raised me in a way that was like, I'm sorry, I'm fumbling my words. you are fine. Ra- they raised me in a way to have like a basis for whatever, I, like whatever I believe or whatever mm-hmm. I'm thinking. So when they like ask me a question and I give my opinion, even if it's different from their opinion, they raised me in a way to like have basis for my opinion, so they mm-hmm. know that it's like it has legs. Yeah.
0: I think that's something that um, it's very rare to find that, and I definitely thank your parents because it's it's a skill that so many don't have, you know. We and even the best family situation still has its own trials and tribulations, you know. I'm pretty sure like you you all have those, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think though, at the same time, to have that ability to look at the world and to not only on on the outside like live and let live for everything else, but Or to have respect for everything else, but then to also be able to form your own thought separate of it. To me, it's the ultimate. Yeah, I'm standing on stage and I'll say, might be out here with this little raggedy ass ice cream cake and I don't care Mm because my thought, my opinion is this. I think it's the ultimate form of freedom, you know?
3: I was like, we were like, yesterday we watched Crazy Rich Asians. I'm bringing Mm -hmm. that back again. It's like, not to spoil it, but like, the mother is very like, Traditional, like demanding of the son, like has like, definitely knows what he, what she wants the son to do, and they're like a, old money rich family, so it's like you have to like marry rich, you have to do all this stuff. It's like so much the betterment of our. I, I know what's good for you, and this is what's good for you. So do what I say, and it's like I feel like a lot of that is like based off like, it's toxic and like it's just based off projection. It's like you don't view the kid as their own entity you view them as, like, a projection of, like, you want them to be. And, like, in itself, that's, like, dehumanizing, Mm -hmm. and that's just not a good way to, like, function, and that's not going to raise a good kid that's going to go out and do great things on their own. Like, you always want to treat their kid, like... You always want to treat your kid like, well, I mean, I don't know anything. I don't have no kids. (laughs) I mean, like, at least for me, I want to be treated like I'm my own entity and, like, I, like, can make my own decisions. And even if, like if, like, your kid's, like, young or a toddler, they can't be making decisions, but, like, the things that they do, like, decide for themselves, like, the small things, at least respect them and let them
1: have that. Yeah. I mean, but do you think that, I mean, I think that there is that, there is that but then there's, like, the balance between that and being too laissez-faire. Right. Like, yeah. You know, and I think that we, as they have gotten older, you know, my daughter's 20, my son's 18, and as they've gotten older, we give them more latitude because that's part of being grown is, or is growing up is being able to make your own decisions and good, bad, or indifferent, making your own decisions. We try and guide them. You know, when they're three, you want to guide them tighter. Yeah. When they're 18 and 20, you give them more latitude. And I think that one of the things that me and my wife talk about is like, we kind of give them a wide berth because we trust them, Mm -hmm. you know, to make good decisions um, and we give them a wide berth and say, like, okay, what are you going to do? And then and every then
0: Vanessa na- Huxtable's in this household. <laughs>
1: right. Like. Vanessa, you wanted to have big fun. Look you wanted just to have a the a
0: slight sidebar. <laughs> she historically was a sneaky-ass child always yeah. doing right. something. Like, yeah. when she had the boyfriend that Rudy was lying for, that was a whole situation when she was wearing makeup. Vanessa was never just, like, she... She thought she was older than what she was. Right, yeah. And so she was always making, like, the worst decisions out of everybody.
2: Right, right. Like,
0: you an idiot.
1: <laughs> right. And okay, Yeah, so what we, what we try to do is, like, help them make good decisions when they're young and mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, you know, root them in that. But then as they get older, you give them latitude. And every now and then, and I don't think we do it too much, but every now and then we'll be like, yeah, no you're not, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and every now and then, every now and then we'll, and then it's always a discussion and they'll look. And then my wife will say, we rarely tell you no. So when we do say no, we mean it. There's I a reason. Like... <laughs> There's a reason. And what do you Yeah, you're right. Mm. I mean, like
3: there's some, there's some things. There's like, some things. It's like there's like there's some things. It's like what I said. Like when I asked, when I asked my mama, like it's like, hey, I want to get my ears pierced. Ears pierced, and she was like, no, and I was just like, why not?
1: It's she like, said she didn't say no. She, she said, said no. She said
3: not right now. She she is saving face now. She's, like, oh, doing right. a little so this little is the back.
0: section of the podcast where we are going to let these the family tea. issues work out. i yeah, I'm going to leave like, that. No, <laughs> just, yeah, I'm I'm just, like,
3: just, like, no, 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 that's <laughs> the
0: disclaimer. Okay. The thoughts and feelings represented by the Renato family are not that of Joy Collette <laughs> Weathers yeah. and the LLC. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. <laughs>
3: but that's, like, the own thing devoid of that. <laughs> but, I mean, like, like there's I things. I thought that
0: was actually going to be, well, it is epic for you, but I thought that was going to be way heavier. And I was like, yeah. oh. Okay, that's <laughs> like we can discuss that. I got you.
3: I mean, it's like the whole like Jay Z, Beyonce, like Cardi B, Offset. It's like that's just uh, like if I'm about to have a conversation with it, you know, then I'm just finna do it. Well, can it. I
0: ask you why do you want your ears pierced?
3: Because I want my ears pierced. It's nice, you know. It's something. It's
0: a fashion thing.
3: It's not like a fashion thing. It's just something I want of myself. I want my ears pierced. I want to wear earring, It's something that. I not, it's something like. It's like why people's like, why do people get tattoos? It's why do people like to wear certain clothes? It's like, I just. No, no, I get makes, it. Cause I, I, like, I have I 10 tattoos. It.
0: But I also like, uh, I find even with you being 18 and your daughter being 20, it's still, even, I'm thinking back to that time. It's, it, ran, it really was a transition. There were things mm-hmm. that my parents told me, at that technically.
3: I could have just done myself. No, no,
0: right. <laughs> but it's still a respect. Because there's a difference in, you know, now me being 29. Yeah. Versus 19, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the one time I got into the worst trouble of my life. Mm-hmm. I wore up in the house at like 3 a.m. And I was 19 when I did it. Like, mm-hmm. if she'd have called the cops, they'd have been like, well, she's legal, mm-hmm. ma'am. She's an adult. We can't do anything about this. But I still, res- like, I got grounded because it was winter mm-hmm. bright mm-hmm. from school. I got grounded and couldn't go anywhere. But it was like, huh, I respected that even though, yeah, the law might say this, but I ain't trying to be on the other side of this door either. It's like, like, it's (laughs) it's not my house. Exactly. So (laughs) it was was still like those, the respect of of those rules, even when you have like the technicality on your side, like, no, that's your parents are looking at you. Like you ain't that grown, you know? And then
1: the other, the other side of that is like, this is what my wife always says. Like, uh, when they like, when they say like I want to be grown and just like I okay be
2: grown. right
1: <laughs> my my wife always okay good you want to be grown good that means less for me you can have these bills you can have all of it and they're like no 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 <laughs> I don't want to be grown like Let me no tell you, you
2: don't
0: <laughs> many a day I have thought about <laughs> the foolishness of my decisions with having a Verizon wireless bill mm-hmm. like. And then you got to add com ed mm. and social media management and CTA and rent and everything. Like, it's, it's never ending.
3: It's already too much I, so, I
0: still, to this day, I hear my parents or my mom's voice sometimes in my head like, you want to be grown so bad? You have the rest of your life to be grown. You She's too, like, man. you are a child for a little mm. while.
1: Right. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking like, we spend your youth. Trying to be grown and
0: trying to get back.
1: And um, and you spend your adulthood trying to reclaim your childhood. Yeah. Right? Or you, the freeness that you the, felt in that like, time. Yeah, because yeah. you remember how cause you've got all of the weight of all of this responsibility, and that takes up a lot of your the your decision making and, and life. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid, you were just
0: playing Running through sprinklers, right?
1: And, and you catching grasshoppers. And that feeling of of freedom like you said you're trying to capture that like oh man I'm 51 how can I <laughs> recapture that of this yes. yeah, yeah. And, you know um, so like you said you're gonna have a long time to be grown All you right. got a short time to be uh, a, a young adult or a child I and mean, in the grand
0: scheme of things like it's another bill because let me tell you yeah. something my accessories are out of control so mm-hmm. <laughs> now um but I think just, you know, wrapping up and talking to you all, um, where do, you know, even creatively you see yourself going? I know like you've been pouring all of your zest mm-hmm. into the Franklin McLaren clothes, and then the same question for you, Morgan, like with you it's just around the river, but like you are going to be out of high school, going to college. Where are you mm-hmm. like looking to go? Like where where does those goals for you as well?
3: I guess for me, my number one college choice is Brown. I just finished up my uh, college app for Brown, and then I sent in all my stuff. Uh, I guess my future one most definitely going to college, but also like I want to like I guess end of the year I want to get better at poetry. I want to like hone my craft. I want to eventually like write some form of book, either that be poetry book or just actual novel. Like I okay, want I to like seen, I <laughs> <laughs> I want to, like, you know, like, a lot of times, like, my father talk about all the time. Like, I'm just sitting down, just looking at open space. And my parents are like, what are you doing? I'm just like, what am I about to do in my life? Because I'm just <laughs> like, I'm just like, what am I doing? I need to, like, get on. I need to produce something. So I want to, like, you know, do something. I'm, like, a lot of time. I'm filling out college apps, and a lot of the questions are, like, asking, like, oh, what do you want to do at this college? What do you want to do with this major? And then, like, half of it's like, oh, no, I have to write this new essay about this question. But the other half is like, oh, what am I trying to do at this college? What am I trying to do with this major? Mm-hmm. And it makes me, like, sort of, like, put that in perspective and really be like, oh, well, I guess I'm passionate about this, and I really want to do this. So I guess, like, one thing that, like, I've realized a lot lately is I'm really passionate about just, like, the general black experience. It's, like, I'm just talking about, like, there's, like, I love, it's, like, I talk about all the time, slavery was a terrible institution, but, like, the lives and, like, the experiences of, like, slaves, like, are so, like, vital, and, like, they were the human experience, Mm -hmm. and, like, they are an important part of history, and I really want to, like, go in depth into that and, like, really study, like, pull a little Zora Neal and, like, just do, like, this slave anthropology of just blackness from, like, Middle Passage all the way now and just see how that's...
0: That would transcends. be epic. Have you ever read The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkerson? Nope. Okay, so... <laughs> we're not. I don't fan out over anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, number one, I've worked in advertising and I've always been around, like, celebrities are, like, higher up, so mm. that don't mean nothing to me. Um... That was the one time where, like, if she'd touch me, she touched
2: me. So Isabel
0: Wilkerson wrote the warmth of other songs. It is the It's the most concise, yet simultaneously interesting and entertaining. um, I should say, compilation of like from the Great Migration. Um, and that's a specific time because what you're what you're talking about—that's me—is an anthology of books. Like you, hmm. you out here are trying to write the next roots and go for what you know. <laughs> like that's possible, do it. But um, she wrote the book based on the Great Migration, and mm. she did it from the perspective of three individual African Americans who left from three different areas of the South, moved mm. to three different areas of the North in three different decades because i that's think so
3: wrong i'm sorry that's so cool it was
0: number one not only did she do that but while she's personally weaving in what is going on like actual, you're hearing item eight talk and you know george schoolboy starling and robert um and as you're reading these you know their actual stories and what's happening to them like at different years or points in their life you're also getting this depth of of knowledge of what was happening like what caused the Great Migration in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, just the lie or the assumption that, oh, the Great Migration happened during World War One, and it was just this, like, sp- no, it, ha- it started, it- people, the Southern, or Southern Blacks had always been kind of migrating, mm-hmm. but the boom started then, but it didn't end until, like, the 50s. Right, you right. know, and then even she went into the details of, like, um, how that migration even affected the white counterparts. Like if you don't mm-hmm. it totally made the South finally mechanize. Mm-hmm. If I don't have people to collect all this damn cotton and all Might these well. crops, I'd better get up on the technology and figure out how to mass do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um it was amazing. And mm-hmm. they're now trying to turn it into a movie. I'm just or a series. I'm like, I, I need to figure out this production schedule. Like I've I've got to be there. Yeah, um, to be honest. Hopefully but, they don't
3: green book it <laughs>
0: We, we'll talk after. We're like,
2: what is wrong with Green Book? Okay, but...
0: Um, but yeah, that's something that in, in terms of... Even when it comes to the research, it took her 10 years to write that book. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a New York bestseller. <clears throat> she is very wealthy now because mm-hmm. of that book. Right. Um, has a movie deal because of it. But still, like, just to even go over like the process... It, it's something that is not easy, you know, but it's definitely not too daunting. There's people doing it all the time. Becoming mm. Michelle Obama, she sold 1.4 million copies in a week.
2: We but a it's woman. a
0: book about her entire life, so it took her a lifetime to get to, you know, to have that that experience to want to share. But it's definitely possible. So you got this. Yeah. Just get past some college education. Don't Red Bull too much. Cause I'm like it's.
3: God I haven't awful reached there yet.
0: Okay, good, good, fine. <laughs> um, in terms of Eugene, like with being a father, being a husband, mm. you all are even coming into a new stage just because it's like, man, your kids are grown. Like, right, right. It's I'm about old. to be like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you old. Dang, Jean's <laughs> uh, yep.
0: like, I deserve it. <laughs> I have earned it. Yeah. So, what's like going on with, or what are you looking forward to creatively? Here? So,
1: creatively, like. I don't think my mission has changed from that first spark that I had with the Franklin Chronicles has probably increased. Like, I want to manifest this in the world. I really am, you know, since I've departed, you know, my last career, this is my new career, is like the Franklin Chronicles. Like, I want to make this, um, you know, put this into the universe as, you know, planted as deeply as I possibly can and see how far it can take me. You know, I want to continue... And and the, the interesting thing is is like now you know when I first did the podcast it was a thing and now you know I'm rethinking you know how we're gonna reboot the the podcast and it's evolved it's you know my concept of what that is going to be has evolved mm-hmm. right it's going to include my son who does spoken you finally word finally
0: can go downstairs right. yeah <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm so I was <laughs> so, at the table <laughs> right right
1: um, so as that evolves like that story is going to evolve and how it how it comes to life is going to evolve and you know I just want to you know push that into the dirt as much as I possibly can Um, so between you know doing that with Frank Chronicles and the podcast and you know we do live events and readings and and all of that I'm just going to try and see how far I can go and then as far as um, being empty nesters like we're looking forward like somebody was just asking that somebody just asked us that and it's like, what are you going to do? Like, your, your son is leaving. Y'all are going to be empty nesters. And my wife's like, we going to kick it. Like, what Man. you think? Like, we, we going to kick it.
0: Can I also just say this, y'all? Like, whenever I have seen Gene and his wife out, like, just two people that outside of, like, just clearly, obviously the romantic aspect, their husband and wife. But just two people that actually fuck with each other. Like, you can tell, like, like huh, this is my nigga. Like, I love her and I love him and we enjoy each other's time. Like, that's yeah. that's something that's very refreshing to see, especially in our generation that's totally based on do we look cute as a couple? Do we have the slow song playing? Is my hair blowing in the wind? But do we like each other? You know, like, I think that there's that's a- I
1: think that that's key to everything. I think that that's probably the key to a lot of my relationships. Like, I really enjoy being with my wife. Like, she is...
0: I, I, Do you hear that, black
2: men?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to sell out us all. But no. I, I really enjoy being with my wife. She is. I just sent her a text the other day, and I'm not trying to get brownie points, but I sent her a text like, she is one of my favorite people. She is so smart. She should be your favorite person, the number one. Yeah, she is, she is my favorite person. Yeah, so you like, uh,
0: Who's above mom and dad? Yeah. <laughs> like...
1: yeah, I mean, I really enjoy being with her. Like she, you know, I go to her for counsel, for wisdom. Am I doing this right? No, nah, you might want to rethink that. Okay, yeah. You know, and she, you know, brings balance to my life because, and I'm not going to lie, like when I was in, you know, I, I, I've told stories on the of Chronicles about my life in terms of like, pre-Latricia and post-Latricia and like, PL. PL. There's PL and <laughs> AL. But like, I was an asshole. Like, I, for a long, and the good thing about it is like, she saw all of it and she was like, yeah, no, you were an asshole. And that's why I wasn't messing with you. Like, there was, we could not be together. And then, you know, things evolved and now I look at her and like I said, she's like, she's my greatest counsel. There's the there's that idea of there's the saying that says like uh, uh, marriage is a fortress of well being,
2: mm.
1: right? It's a fortress of well being, and I I truly believe that like if you find the right person, like in in and it's not just like it's it's something that you cultivate as well, right? And so, um, but home is the place that I go where it's like ah. Uh, I can let everything go and I talk to my wife and, you know, we we talk about every, all just about everything. Right. Um, I could talk about my day and tell her, like, let me tell you what the hell happened in this nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take off the mask. Right. You know, when you go to work, when you go to work and you're in a corporate, you're we, what is it, Claude McKay? We wear the mask mask off. Right, mask on. Let me get right. the
0: coffee. Good morning. Right, we and you great. Right,
1: right, and all the time there's that double consciousness of like the you and then the you watching you, right? Mm-hmm. And and when you come home, the fortress of well being is like, oh, I can take all of that off. And let me tell you what these fools did. Let me tell you what they said. Or the advice and like, oh, I'm thinking of saying or thinking of doing this. And she's like, oh, you might want to think about it this way. And, you know, it goes both ways. Like, oh, you might want to think about these things. But that is our, like, our fortress of well-being. And, you know, so, yeah, I really enjoy her. Um, so, yeah, we're going to kick it. <laughs>
0: we're going to kick it. He's like, so be we kicked. doing other mom dad um can i come no you can't um (laughs) we actually got a spades event going on tonight so go to one of your cousin's house or a friend we'll see you tomorrow like what like i can totally see it just being a thing of y'all like having fun i mean clearly you all have been having fun as a family but like having fun yeah each other and really like trusting that your children are out there being productive young adults you know you ain't gotta you know worry about them
1: And to to carry on that, and I don't want to belabor this, but the the other thing that we, that I truly love is I truly love being around my children. Like I truly, (laughs) I like, it's not a chore for me to Mm -hmm. be around them because they're,
0: you don't feel bullied like future.
1: No. Yeah. I feel like just being around them is like, they're funny and just, and, and they're witty and you hear like you just sit back and you hear their conversations, and a lot of times like me and my wife will just like sit back and l- listen to them, and just look at each other and be like, "Yeah, hmm, that was <laughs> that's interesting, that's cool." Or you know, there's this <laughs> when they were young, they would be in the back seat of the car, and they would say something stupid, and they would both crack up. They would just like they would say, "Oh, look." The lollipop in the, in the floor. And they would think that was the funniest thing ever. And they would just crack up and they would point out stupid things. And me and my wife would just lick each other and be like, them's baby jokes. <laughs> like, them's just, like it's something that's between them that we don't get. But now just like watching them, like them and their baby jokes and watching them interact. And it's like you get a joy from that. Like, right. like yeah, that's cool. I like it. Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. No, like, all, all jokes aside, that's something that's really beautiful. I, um, I intentionally, because, you know, I'm, like, wrapping up the year, and I'm like, ooh, what type of different combos for shows can yeah. I get? Um, To see a, a seemingly healthy, happy black family, uh, that's an amazing thing. So or an aspect of it, because it was just the guys here today. I didn't get to, you know, see the girl side of the family, hold it down. I got to get them on the show, (laughs) too. But um, to at least have that, or to see that, it's number one, encouraging that it it can exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though that may not be everyone's story, it still is something that's really amazing um, as an example of, what a a a happy family unit looks like in Mm -hmm. a sense so um the fact that you all have that with one another as a relationship that's something definitely not to take for granted you all clearly are your biggest supporters and advocates whether it is with your own branded um. Um. At, with your own branded activities or aspirations, or how you all personally treat each other. So I am super happy to have had you on the show. This conversation be, was amazing. Yeah, thank you for inviting I was us. sleepy at first, and now y'all got me all energized. I <laughs> finished cleaning the rest of my house, so that I do laundry and shit. Yeah, but uh yes, I was so happy to have you all. On yeah, the show. this
1: was great. This Yay. was cool. This was fun. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um. So just wrapping up with my motivational message going into the week, I just, this really has been, I guess I was in my own like little mm, mental space. Um, Do we really understand the difference between like a bond and a relationship? And I think sometimes um, we allow treatment of ourselves, um, or I should say we allow others to treat us less than and we chalk it up to oh, well, you know, that's the bond or this is, you know, I've been around this person or I owe this person life or whatever the, you know, the relationship might be. There is a respect found in a bond. There's, I feel, divine reasons why there are bonds, you know, that you have with one another or who is allowed to enter your life or the way that they've entered into your life. But the difference between a bond and a relationship, in my humble opinion, a relationship just is something that is continuous effort. It's something that you have to evolve with and continuously pour into. It's something that you can't just be entitled and take for granted that if, you know, if this is how we started in 1999, I don't have to necessarily be consistent or whatever. This is how we're going to be in 2019. That is nothing further than the truth. So when it comes down to not only personally examining what we tolerate, whether it's in business, whether it's in our personal life, I don't care if it's. You know, family, friend, bonds. Oh, this is my oldest friend or this is just how they are. This person always got you in some bullshit. Examine what you tolerate. You know, that might be a bond, but the relationship isn't one of, of positivity. It's not one of health. It's continuously stopping your own progression. Why entertain it? And it doesn't mean that you have to separate or like go from it in like a super, you know, loving hip hop over the type mm throwing drinks and fighting type of way but there's nothing wrong with loving somebody from a distance there's absolutely nothing wrong with that I can love you and still be like I'm not going to deal with your shenanigans or I have to keep you at bay because I need to protect my peace and my own happiness 2019 as far as I'm concerned is here there's because let's be honest, we got one more good week to work than everybody going on work from home status if they looking at emails at all. Let's just keep it real. So, and thinking about, you know, certain relationships, not even in terms of like, oh, the new year's coming, but truly examine what you tolerate, examine who is in your life. Examine yourself because maybe you aren't even the victim, maybe you are the one that is taking your relationship for granted. Being entitled, not being the best person that you can be to yourself there and there in turn, not being as good of a person, a daughter, a son, a father, a sister, a cousin, a friend, a lover, whatever to those in your life or whatever that relationship, quote unquote, is that you have. So I think that's something that everyone really needs to, you know, just do some self-examination, myself included. Where have I, do a SWOT analysis of yourself, I don't care, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are your opportunities or areas for growth, what threatens that? And if you are looking at that in real, you know, and in, in taking into account or having, I should say, accountability, um, you will have a revelation in a sense, or at least if not a revelation, you'll have the foundation to better yourself, which is all that anyone can ask of you. You know, it's not about perfection. It is about just bettering yourself. So don't get caught up on bonds. You know. Bonds all yeah, bonds get you out of jail too. So I'm like or put you there. So I'm like, that's not necessarily all the times a good thing. Um, hope everyone has an amazing week except Michael Cohen. And <laughs> Manafort with that Raggedy dry ass toupee And, and 45 It's coming sis It's coming <laughs> Like everybody is sitting there with a dougie. Like woo let me millie really rock the hell About this office Because you ain't about to have me In the same jail with the Wolf of Wall Street No no uh, But yes everyone have a great week I'm just sitting back here looking at American politics With the butter and popcorn going Woo child of ghetto <laughs> <laughs> I will holler at you all next week Bye!